everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got three segments for you today. Kicking things off, we have a listener mail slash what we've been playing segment. That's with myself, Zach, Patrick, and Neil. After that, we have a segment all about Assassin's Creed 3 with Patrick and Danny. And then after the outro, we have a bonus segment featuring myself and Zach. And that's right, the Dino Chat is back. Enjoy. Hey, and welcome to some listener mail and some what you've been playing here on the connectivity. I almost said newscast. That's not <laughs> the first time it's happened. Um, I'm Neil Ronahan, and with me we've got Zach Miller. You! God. Uh, I guess he's soldier boy telling everybody. <laughs> we got Patrick Barnett, who's just getting into some talons and owls. Yes. With the DC Comics. Hopefully soon. Hopefully. By the time, one, one day. By the time you are listening to this, Patrick is probably knee deep in the new Batman. Um, I'll go to my cave Batman and no comic. one will hear from me for yes. weeks. And, and expect a segment like that where me, Patrick, and Tyler talk all about how awesome Scott Snyder and the new run of Batman is with the new 52. You need to pick that back up. Yeah, you should. Um, and lastly, we got Scott Thompson. Hello. Who has a baby. <laughs> yep. That's true. Who turned nine months old. Uh, that's that's wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Which is a reminder that it's been nine months since my birthday. It's all about you, Neil. Yeah, I was gonna say, yep, that's the way to that's the way to look at it. <laughs> Which reminds me, three more months till my birthday. <laughs> yes. Way to go, baby, for reminding me of that. Alright, so let's let's kick off with some listener mail, and Zach's got the first letter. Okay, Mario Mania writes. I need an, an honest answer from you guys. All caps, is new Super Mario Bros. U a system seller? I only play Mario games. I'm not a real hardcore gamer. I grew up with Mario like all of us, and those games are the types I'm attracted to. This being said, I want to play new Super Mario Bros. U really bad, but is it worth buying the system for just one game right now? You know. No. No, no, no. I'm clearly saying you know, because... It's a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. If you are a rational person, no, it does not make sense to spend 300 or $350 to get one $60 game. It's no Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, <laughs> well, Zach, did you do that? Cause, yep. Come on, I bought that game before I had the system. Ugh. But, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, if you're rational, then yeah, no, it's not worth it. Wait until there's more games. Wait until a sale or something. If there's only one game. But you can be irrational, and that's okay, because <laughs> um, it's a really, really awesome game. It is and good. And if you do, if it's the kind of thing where I would say, like, if you can spare like four hundred bucks to go out and buy the system in New Super Mario Brothers U, I'd say do it. If if you really want to play the game and you have the spare money, like I don't even know why you wrote in, but if, if <laughs> money's tight. And, you know, you don't really have $400 to go blow on entertainment, then no, don't do it. I'd say it's the game that if you got the system, it's the single game that you should buy over anything else. I would say Zombie U is more of a system seller than New Super Mario Bros. U. And that's not even coming as someone who's, I mean, I really love Zombie U. I think it's fantastic, but I'm not as over the moon as, as I know Scott is. But, like, I mean, Mario U, you have that similar experience on other on other platforms, whereas Zombie U, there's really nothing like it outside of, like, Dark Souls, I guess. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- this guy says he only plays Mario games. So, like, I think your answer's right there. Then, like, yeah, it's worth it. I mean, if all you all you play is Mario games, then, I mean, the system's price isn't going to drop for, what, n- over a year? I mean, two years, maybe? I mean, at least, unless things go really bad all of a sudden. But I don't see that happening, like, you know, like what we had with the 3DS. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> if, if it's the only thing you're going to play, yeah, it's probably worth it. Um, if it's you a pretty, it. it's a pretty safe bet that there will be other side scrollers um, out there that, if you are a big fan of Mario, might be worth your time. You know, and there will probably be like a Kirby or a Donkey Kong game in the future. Could just wait till February or March and get Rayman. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's Rayman coming up, which if you like Mario, totally get that one. Um, because that that game looks freaking fantastic. That demo is, was really good. This is from someone who's who was a little lukewarm on Rayman Origins, but every time I play Rayman Legends, and even if it's, I mean, I guess at this point I've played like four or five levels, and every level is amazing and worth replaying. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, and then you even have stuff that's that's available right now, like uh, Mighty Switch Force HD is is fantastic, mm. and it might be a little too hard if if pretty much all you play is Mario. Not saying that it makes you a bad gamer, but Mighty Switch Force is Kind of like a speedrunning game, but I think it's a little more gentler than than most speedrunning games. Uh, I believe in something that I wrote at some point. I talked about how it's kind of like an intro to speedrunning. Oh, our, our 3DS eShop Top 10, I wrote that. Because it kind of like eases you in to doing speedruns of the game. Yeah, and I'll say that I, this is probably the best... 2D Mario games since, like, the classics. I, I mean, Since, I think, like, Yoshi's Island or World. Yeah, I would say so. It's easily the best of the new Super Mario Brothers games. Um, yeah. And, I mean, you have to think, this guy probably owns a Wii, so, and he only really needs to buy the basic system if, if he's not really concerned with yeah. much else. So I'd say sell your Wii, and, yeah, just buy the $300 system, and then by now you could probably even buy a used copy of, of Mario U. Not that it'll save you that much, but for 350 he could probably get a system and and the game and then you know sell his Wii to take off some money from that. Or you could be really unsavory and take out the sealed copy of Nintendo Land and try to like take it to a Target or a Walmart <coughs> and just exchange it for store credit and then get Mario with that money and then you're spending three hundred fifty dollars for the system and Mario because it's still a better deal than getting three hundred spending three hundred dollars and getting Mario separately. Is that what you did, Zach, by the way? I you know no, Zach's thought about he opened it. his game that he didn't want. Then I opened it up and played a few rounds with some friends. At least he tried it finally. <laughs> he gave me. I actually, I, I mean, I mean, with Nintendo Land, I find that the single player stuff is kind of even shittier than I first thought. Thank it's you. Really, like as a single player game, it's kind of terrible. But as a multiplayer game. And not even in the, the Pikmin, Metroid, or Zelda sense. Cause, I mean, those games are fun, but I feel like you need to, that's a, all three of those are games that you need to kind of like learn and develop skills and go through with like the same people throughout the entire thing. Cause I tried with Pikmin when, when I reviewed it. I tried to get people to just jump in with me as I was going through the, the single player. And people would just get destroyed because it's like you need to play those early levels. And the thing that I really love about the the multiplayer Nintendo Land with the uh you know uh, I guess the competitive games uh, Animal Crossing, Luigi's Mansion, and Mario Chase is that you don't really need like a lot of prep time to really like get good or passable at the game. Like really, you need to look at the controls. Maybe you go through the long-winded explanation and like screw around with it for a game, and then like you got it. 
because I keep on bringing that game out with new people, and it, it's so much damn fun. I can't wait to play it with more people one day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, it's like I keep on forcing people to play it almost. Yeah, it's very good multiplayer. But yeah, I mean, I think just to sum up, totally worth it. Yeah, it's and, really um, good. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the money to spend, if you've got things to sell, and all you do is play Mario, you will not be disappointed. It, it's very good. I Zach, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but I think the, the Star Road, you know, the bonus levels, are pretty challenging, um, at, at least for the most part, um, and, and kind of a cool... End game, uh, end game reward there for getting through I everything. Think, I think it's the first, like, levels in a Mario game since World that to me kind of rival the insanity of the Star, the Star Road le- levels mm-hmm. in Super Mario World. I totally and agree. Even those, like, I mean, I think, like, all, all the stuff in Super Mario World is, like, bonkers and crazy on the Star Road, but do I necessarily, like, 100% enjoy all that? Cause some of it's just, like, so damn hard to the point of, like, I beat I forget. I forget what the the name of the really dastardly one is. The one in the like, forest. That... That's the one I hate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. But like that one, I beat one time, and I was like, I never want to play that level again. <laughs> now you talking about Star Road or the even like super secret or like Star Road where it's like those eight levels that are just lined up side by side. Yeah, yeah, those, super hard. those. Yeah, yeah, those are crazy. That's insane. Yeah. But yeah, uh, New Super Mario Brothers U. It's a fucking awesome game. Quite good. So I've got the next letter, and Adolf Vega, he writes, Now that Nintendo has several first- and third-party full-release games on 3DS and the Wii U eShop, what is your criteria in picking digital or physical media? For me, high replay value and length of game is a key factor for me in buying digitally for Wii U. The digital 10% promotion does persuade me to to buy more eShop full-release purchases. What about you? Also, why aren't all third-party games on the eShop? I see no real downside to having it as an option for 3DS or Wii U games. Sadly, there is no gifting on either 3DS or the Wii U eShop. You could do this on Wii. So what are your guys' thoughts on all of this? Um, For me, I'm still primarily sticking to physical media. I, I've done the same, except for, the, of course, the eShop-only games, yeah. like trying to. But the one game that I am kind of tempted to just buy digitally is Madden. I don't know why. I just kind of... Feel like that would be nice on the system, just to always have it there. I played my second preseason game. I signed Donovan McNabb because uh, Graham Harrell, the Packers backup, is kind of a bag of dicks. And then, so I mean, it's the preseason games, so it's like you know, this, your starters really only play one quarter. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is awesome on the game, but then uh, Donovan McNabb came in playing the second quarter of my uh, my my second preseason game. Promptly threw three interceptions, <laughs> and, I, and then I brought in Graham Harrell. I'm like, "Hey, he's not that bad in comparison." <laughs> and probably got better at the game because I'm dealing with playing with such a shitty quarterback in these preseason games. <laughs> yeah, I um I downloaded Madden actually. That's probably the only not probably that is the only full game I've downloaded so far. Um, even though I know nothing about football, like like when we started this um you know our our league, I I started as just a player instead of a coach which would have been fine, but then you guys all the coaches are like, oh, okay, I'll be a coach. Actually, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But, like, I know nothing, like, I don't know the names of positions, I don't know the players, so it's like, I have no, like, I will be useless in trying to fill out my team in any way possible. Um, 
But I'm, can, I'm excited a lot of it uh, for the computer to do it. Yeah, and that's what I'm going to do, because I have no idea. But I'm excited yeah. to actually play against you guys, and that'll be fun once we get into the Yeah, week two, the man. Season. Bears and Packers. There you go. I know. We'll play <laughs> twice. And, yeah, and then Andy picked the... What, he picked the Lions, right? So I'll play him yeah, twice, Yeah, and too. then, um, whatchamacallit, JP has picked the, the Vikings, I think. Oh, cool. Is it too late for me to get in on this yet? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Andy was saying you can still get in, I think, because it's still preseason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the reason why we, we canceled it before was because JP was the Bears, and since you're, you know, from the Chicago area. Yeah. Um, I would recommend, uh, Patrick, you should be the Washington Redskins, because I know, uh, Nintendad, uh, he is playing as the Eagles. Oh, okay. I, I was gonna say, can I pick my team, but. Oh, uh, what is he? Uh, Steelers? No, no, no. I, I'm closer to the Eagles, so. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Nintendo <laughs> are Nintendo beat you to punch. Not, not that I really support football, but. <laughs> Although at this point, kicking them while they're down is kind of cruel. But unlike JP, who just bad. picked the Bears to pick the Bears, I know Nintendo is from like the Philly area because we play NHL. He plays the Philadelphia Flyers, so I don't think he's going to give that team up anyway. Yeah, so. well, he if he's from that area directly, then. Good yeah. For him. <laughs> but for for the sporting competition, Patrick, I think you should go with the Redskins. Also, R V three is fucking awesome. <laughs> I think I can do it. I will say though, having downloaded Madden, um, I really do just want to pretty much buy and download all my games because it's so nice to just like throw the system on and not have to get up and switch games out. See, I I guess that's that's not as much of a hassle for me, and with the three DS, like. Kind of in my head, unless sales, like, I'm gonna go digital, except for I, I didn't do it with Paper Mario, and I'm actually kinda glad I did, cause I didn't really like Paper Mario that much after. There was, there was like a three hour, there was like a three hour honeymoon with that game, where I was like, this is the best! And then like, I, it faded off, and I was just like, oh. How far did you get in that game? Uh, the, the end of chapter three, I think. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say, you have to get through that forest. <laughs> the, the, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's yeah. really bad. The 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 forest is terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The forest. I mean, the, the game is okay, but like that forest is fucking awful. There's there's literally no way to play that game without a walkthrough, unless you unless you just have like infinite amounts of time on your hands, and like that's just that's the one game you want to devote yourself to. It makes me yeah, so mad, I mean, and, and that's part of the reason why it's just not interesting to me because. Yeah. Yeah, I can get these tells, and, like, I, I did figure out the, the baseball bat one for one of the early bosses, but it's like, you have to get to the boss before you get that tell. And that's what's so frustrating, is that it's like, for every boss, in order to figure out what you have to do, you basically need to die once. And that's, that's, like, I can't express how dumb that is. So I'm going into every boss battle at this point, figuring out What's the thing sticker I need to bring with me? Because the game kind of offers you no hints before that. At this point, I have like 20 fucking things. And I don't know what any of them do. I don't know if I want to waste them. I don't know where to go back and find them all. Like, it's all very confusing and poorly laid out. Right, it's like very like esoteric. Like, there, like eventually you'll fight a um a blooper, and you have to use the sponge to absorb its poison, and then like throw its poison back at it. And But it's like, why would you even... You know, like, when you see it, you're like, okay, like, that makes sense. But there's just no way to know yeah. that you need to bring Especially a sponge. Especially when you have, like, 30 things. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think one of there, I think there might be 50 in total. I forget exactly. But, like, still, like... It's way too many. inane. Yeah, it's way too many. At this point, I find it more enjoyable to actually play alongside, like, a walkthrough. Like, I'll read the walkthrough for a level before I play the level. That way I know I'm not missing anything. And, like, I know what I need to bring. Because it's a headache to, like, have to go back later. I eventually just started playing parts of Chapter 3 with, like, sitting in front of the computer with fucking game FAQs open. It's, looking at a guide, you and, have to. and then I got like to the end. I, I think I'm actually right near the because I think the blooper boss is in that one, and like I just got to like some like shit, uh, like some island. Yeah, that's where. But it's just I I I realized that I wasn't enjoying myself doing that, and was just doing it because I'm like, well, I guess I should try to be Paper Mario. Yeah. And that's I immediately stopped playing after that and played Crosswords Plus and some of the latent <laughs> puzzle, latent downloadable puzzles. Yeah, because those are enjoyable to me. Yeah, it's a pain. Due to unforeseen circumstances, I had to review that game after it had already come out instead of getting you know the review copy early. Yeah, and I'm glad it kind of worked that way because I was able to. I just know I would have been stuck in, been yeah. very frustrated. My score probably would have been lower because I would have just been mad at the game. But at least with walkthroughs now for general consumers, like you can at least get through things. But I don't know. That that's a conversation for another time, I guess. But. Going back to the digital thing, for me, it's a it's a pretty simple question. Is that, like, will I ever want to get rid of this game? And if I answer yes to that, then there's no way in hell I will ever buy it digitally. Because if I have the option of buying it physically when it's a game that I know, you, you know, like, if, uh, I mean, I got the review copy for Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, which is great. But, like, going into that, like, I wasn't sure of how that game would turn out. I wouldn't buy it digitally. I'd, I'd buy the physical copy. Like, I mean, with Paper Mario, I was thinking of going digitally. Um, but even that, like, I'm probably not going to get rid of it. And with Layton, I bought digitally because it made sense for the downloadable puzzles. And considering that I'm, like, three hours into the story and I've probably put, like, two or three hours in the fucking downloadable puzzles, I think I made the right call with that. And I'm not going to get rid of the Layton game. But, I like, that Adventure Time game, there's no way in hell I'd buy it digitally because... I'll probably find it for $10 somewhere in, like, a couple months, um, and, and then I'll play through it, and then I'll be done with it and never play it again. Does the uh, 10% back not even entice you to go digital at all? It entices me more, but that basically takes me from on Wii U, where I'm just like, well, that doesn't make any sense, to, well, maybe. Scott, even you- that, I mean, I like physical things. I guess Scott or Neil, have either of you actually activated your money back? I guess it comes in five dollar no, I, I, I got every single eShop game, so I think I have five dollars. You should have enough. I'm like thirty points short, I think, and yeah, I, I only yeah. got three games so far. I haven't done it yet, but I, I imagine I'm pretty close. Well, I think Scott, you you should have it if you bought Madden with Madden. Yeah. 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 I I bought that. I bought Little Inferno. And I thought one more something else, but I know those two for sure. So yeah, I think I'm sitting at like seventy or something. Yeah. So that means I I got I got I have a five dollar voucher right now. I think it's nice that you can take that, those points and put them on like your 3ds instead of the Wii U. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's actually probably what I'm gonna do, considering that there hasn't been a new eShop game on the Wii U since launch. Yeah. Do you we think- should be getting Zen Pinball too soon, so that's nice. Do you think Nintendo's going to do, like, a PlayStation Plus type thing where it's, like, you can now just, like, pay a monthly or yearly, like, fee and you'll always get money back on your digital purchases? Like, is that the end game for this since this is just a limited time for the deluxe buyers? I 
I would think so. Um, I really think that every company should do something like PlayStation Plus because it's the greatest thing ever. It Although is. it probably doesn't make sense because I feel like I'm just fucking robbing Sony blind. <laughs> well, as soon as, I, as, I soon as you 50. let your subscription lag, then it's all gone. Yeah, but considering, like, I mean, I have a Vita and I have a PlayStation 3. At this point, probably the amount of games that I have played far exceed the $50 that I paid for this year. And I'm... I think five months into my membership. And oh yeah, I also have like 12 other games that I barely touched. Like, I think PlayStation Plus is like, for, for someone in my position, which is kind of like the, the PS3 and the Vita are a little bit more of a secondary system. Um, mostly because of being the director of a Nintendo website. But for me, it's perfect because I'm not, I'm not getting everything when it's brand new. And even that, sometimes when it's brand new, you get it for fucking free. <laughs> Like, I, I only got Double Dragon Neon because it was free. And I played that, and I love that game. I have Bioshock 2. I never played Bioshock 2. This is the shit. I'm all excited for Infinite, and I'm just like, oh, I have Bioshock 2 for free. Or ostensibly for free. I wonder what developers get out of letting their games go for free on PlayStation Plus. Like, do they get a little piece of that that big pot at the end of, you know, however Their DLC sales probably go through the roof. And something like Bioshock, it's incentive. It's like incentive, like... They get you into Bioshock 2, so you buy Infinite. You got you got Borderlands. Uh, Borderlands on PS3 came out uh, on PS Plus, like right when Borderlands 2 came out. And in all honesty, I I put like 10 hours into Borderlands. I never would have played that game before that, and now I'm kind of eyeing the sequel for when it goes down in price. And that, I mean that's coming from a spot of never giving a shit before, and that's because I got it for free on PlayStation Plus. Patrick I, and I both got into The Walking Dead because of PlayStation Plus. Yeah, wow. It's hard to think about that. Because I, I never would have gotten those games otherwise. Because like, yeah, same it, it here. Was, it was like, I think the first and second episode went up, and then maybe two weeks after that, the third episode went live. Yep. And it was like, I needed it right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> so, we kind of went off on a series of tangents. <laughs> Do we have any final shots before... Uh, we go on to what you've been playing? The reason I'm not going digital is because I don't want to have to buy a hard drive, but I know I will someday, so that's Yeah, that. same here. I, I know I'll have, it's inevitable, but it's just I don't feel like dealing with it. I'd rather wait until people are like, here is the one to get, and then I'll buy yep. that. Yep. On the topic of why aren't the third-party games on the eShop, I think it's just a matter of some of the third parties didn't get them there yet, but I think they're working yeah. on it. Yeah, because Batman was added last week. Yeah. And I guess gifting's probably going to come soon. Maybe. It never came to 3DS, so I wouldn't be super optimistic about that. I hope it comes, because that was a really cool full feature of the, of the Wii shop. I agree. I mean, I I legitimately, my friends and I would give each other gifts that way. Oh, it's your birthday. I'll buy you Bit Trip Beat. I bought Pokemon, I bought Pokemon Snap for an old girlfriend. <laughs> and that, man, it was what awesome. Sweetheart. I bought my friend Bio, Bio Miracle Baby Bukaki or whatever. What? Birthday. I, don't, I don't know. It, it's a weird game where you're a baby, like with mutant powers or something. I don't know. It, it's an import title. TG16 or NES. It's it's real good, though. It's a cool platformer. Well, anything with Bukaki <laughs> can never be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like Nintendo is welcoming anyone to release their game digitally. I, I thought at first maybe Nintendo was kind of like maybe selecting just games they thought would, would sell well or just, like, marquee titles. But looking at the Wii U eShop, like, it seems at this point they're just like, 
If you want to release it digitally, go ahead. Like we're we're happy. Yeah, to then you'll do never that. be able to find it <laughs> ever. I'm glad I got the tip that the Rayman Legends demo was live because I would have had no fucking idea ever. Are they going to change that ever? That eShop, <laughs> like the Wii U eShop, people saying that it's good, you're high. <laughs> it's like almost, it's almost like DSiWare levels of ass. Almost as bad as the Xbox Live Arcade Store. No, that, that makes the Xbox Live Arcade, Arcade Store like easy to navigate <laughs> in comparison. Like I, I went back to that. Actually, the um, new was, PlayStation Store is beyond awful as well. Oh, that's really awful. No, that's, a, that's still way better than the Wii U eShop, <laughs> because at least I can find games, and they have things where it's like, here's the stuff for PlayStation Plus, here's new stuff. And it's it's probably also a little bit that the Wii U eShop is, you know, brand new, so there's not really a lot of division between, like, what's new and what's old. But it's still, like, you can't, like, I, I searched Rayman to try to find it. I get, like, Rayman Origins. Rayman, Rayman on Game Boy Color. Yeah. All this shit for the 3DS. And then Legends is all the way at the bottom. The way I found it, I scrolled to the bottom, went to just, like, view all Wii U games. And then just sorted through that list, and it's the very last Wii U game on the list. Yeah, I don't understand like why they have 3DS stuff on the Wii U eShop. Because that's probably the, uh... But the, the web-based browser version is going to be when it finally launches. Because they've been talking about that for the Wii U and the 3DS eShop since, like, the beginning of this year. By the way, that game that I was talking about, the, the title of it is Biomiracle Bokut Upa, which is translates to Biomiracle I'm Upa. Okay. It's a, it's a Konami game that came out on um, the, the Famicom Disk System. And then it later came out in 1993 as a Famicom cartridge, and it hit the Virtual Console in 2008. It was actually slated. It was slated for North American release in 1989. However, Howard Lincoln of Nintendo turned it down, saying that it wasn't good enough for the American market. Probably because you played a baby who, like, used his rattle to beat enemies. As you do. Kind of like the Binding of Isaac when that game got yeah. <laughs> turned away. Like, it's th- this game is, is surprisingly good for being as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, so let's move on to what you've been playing. And Patrick, both you and I have been playing Runner 2. Yeah. Future Legend of Rhythm Alien. And I am really impressed. It's I, so damn good. I only played the original Runner on my 3DS through that collection Whatever yeah. it was called. I Which is coming name. to eShop this week, actually. I think I'm probably going to pick that up. 15 bucks for all six games. I'll probably skip it, just because I have the retail cartridge. But Now, what, yeah, what it, is this game? It's the sequel to Runner. That, that doesn't Runner. help me at all. It, it's basically, you just, like, it's bite-sized levels that aren't necessarily too long. Maybe, like, a minute and a half in total. And okay. you just run from one side to the other. And there's just tons of obstacles in your way that you have to jump over, yeah. slide under, kick... Um, slide oh, so it's kick. like it's like the old PC Lawnmower Man game. I guess. <clears throat> yeah, super obscure reference for the win. The the thing about Runner though is that it's just obscenely hard, and you you'll just end up dying more than you succeed. And it, it just works really ni- well because like when you die, it immediately takes you right back to the beginning, and you just pick up right again. And I there's mean, fantastic music. Um, yeah, and actually, funny story, um, uh, the Edmund McMillan, one of the guys who worked on Super Meat Boy, is responsible for that restart mechanic in Pitcher Runner. Uh-huh. Um, because I believe, like, you know, when they were developing Runner, uh, the guys at Gaijin Games, 
you know, showed it to Edmund because I, I believe they lived like, or that like they're they lived like right or they worked right down the road from each other at the time. And he made the comment about how like maybe you need to have this restart instantly, and they did, and it worked great. I probably wouldn't play it if you didn't restart instantly. Kind of like yeah, if it was like New Super Mario Brothers where you have that long delay in between, it just would be more of a pain than as yep. easy as it is. But yeah, Runner 2, it's it's essentially more of the same. I feel like they added so much more to it, though. They just kind of layered on the difficulty. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Neil, I don't know. Did you notice there's the three different difficulty settings? Yeah. I put it right up to hard because I think it's more fun that way. I'm, not <laughs> sure. I'm just rocking through it on normal. Um, I think it's just there's more and less obstacles depending on what I think that's what on. it is. But it's so hard. <laughs> it's it's so good. How far are you in it? I just started the third world tonight. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm right around the same area. Yeah. I think um, there's five in total. Uh, Charles Martinet does the voiceover for it. Yeah, that caught me by surprise. Which is weird because you're like, wait, you're the guy who does the voice of Mario and you sound nothing like Mario. I think it's funny the way they introduce him. He's just like, I'm Charles Martinet and this is Bitrip yeah. Runner. <laughs> yeah, this is Bitrip Presents Runner 2, Future Legend of Rhythmalian. Um, I mean, it's just, it's really well done. And on Steam, which kind of sucks because I doubt this will be on Wii, the Wii U version, but all the achievements and awards and stuff are really nice. They're, there's, um, they're really obscure. I, th- I think some of the achievements will be there, like the in-game achievements. Yeah, yeah. There's the ones where it's like jump over 500 obstacles, yeah. kick through so many things. And then you can dance in this game. Which... Yeah. Do you know a purpose to that, or is it just uh, you get a, It's a score score bonus. Okay. I didn't quite understand why I was dancing. I believe that the logic behind it is just that they had people that were doing perfect runs, and there was kind of, like, no way to go higher. So they added in the ability to do the dance button to let people improve their score and then kind of have an arms race with people who, who play it for high score. I'm not sure how much I'd really get into the high score mode, like, high score challenges of this game. It doesn't seem like something that I would keep yeah, playing same. over and over again. I mean, I'll go for, like, there's secret exits and stuff like that in this. Wait, is, I'm doing that through my first playthrough. Yeah, like, it's so good. And and the key stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get, for those that don't know, there's uh, levels. There's, like, a specific level in each world where you have to beat that so that you can grab the keys in other levels so that you can get through locks to get to chests, which just have costumes, I guess. Yeah. I don't think I've For me, it's anything not else. about the reward. It's about the journey. Yeah. Because I, I do I do love just playing a level and then noticing branching paths and then being very determined to get past the branching path no matter what. And then, and then finding another level. It's, I'm guessing you it, notice how choice. the branching path, it's always like kind of marked that one way is more dangerous yeah. than the other. I always take the more dangerous path yep. because I want to challenge myself. Unless I need to double back and uh, get the other stage unlocked. Which yeah, I've yeah. Had to do That's on a several occasions. Yeah. It just, it's really, really good, and it's coming to Wii U in January. Is that when it is? Well, yeah, I'm, I think I'm so. Excited. I think it, I, I, maybe not exactly. Like, I, I thought they said they wanted it out before the end of March last I heard. Oh, okay. And, uh, I mean, like, I think game, it's still launch window sometimes. Game's like done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they, they gave us the Steam codes, uh, you know, Two weeks into December, I, I think the game's like done. <laughs> it's not coming out till 2013, though. So yeah. I don't know why we have the code so early. I mean, well, actually, I had the code from they, they had an earlier beta where it was just like a couple levels, 
and they made the comment to me that, oh, we're going to update it as we go along, and eventually it'll be the full game. And I saw a preview online for the Steam version. I'm like, wait a minute. And booted up my Steam version, which is like, this is the greatest day of my life. Because it's just like, like, like updated, and I'm like, this is the entire game. <laughs> Scott, you should play. Yeah, I know. I actually, with you guys talking about it now, I'm finally activating my Steam code, so it's not moving now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, this sounds good. I gotta do this. Um, did but you play the original? Oh, no, no, I, I never did. I actually haven't played any BitTrip games because I'm a horrible, terrible person. So, um, I might have a Steam code from one of the Humble Bundles because, like, the BitTrip games always pop up there. I don't know. Cool. I'll check into it. Yeah, if you do, let me know. So yeah, so Patrick, you've also been playing Zombie U, which Woo! will probably put Zach into a uh, a quiet coma, a deeper sleep than he already is. <laughs> Just gonna look at porn. You guys have fun. Um, I didn't listen to the Zombie U segment that you guys did the other week because I yeah, didn't I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, though. that's what that was what I was doing. So I don't well, know how much of this you talked about. But. Well, to to be fair, if you guys do want to listen to it, we we talk generally for like the first. Force, and then we call out spoilers, and then we do oh, spoilers. Okay. So, like, you're you're pretty safe for, like, the first at least half of it, if not more. We, we definitely tell you when we're going into spoiler territory, but I totally understand. So go ahead, go ahead, Patrick. I'm excited to talk about this game again. I just wanted to say, it's something about it where it just fills me with this sense of fear as I'm just kind of walking around, ducking around corners, just, I swing my bat because I don't know if there's anything there sometimes. Because I feel like the... Do, there, do you swing the your bat back and forth? I do. Nah. Back yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it was a that was a joke I didn't get. But. Maybe. It's good that you <laughs> don't get that. Uh, um but yeah, I feel like the radar, it's really nice. Um I guess this is kind of spoilery, but maybe not. You eventually get it upgraded so that it automatically searches for yeah. zombies, which is a really yeah. nice feature. I wish that was there from the beginning. No, I don't know. There there's a kind of charm about having to like frantically tap that. Just, right. When you're in the buildings, I hate tapping it like three <laughs> times per room. Yeah. And see that that's what's cool about when you get that upgrade because it's so it really does take kind of like a weight off your shoulders. And yeah, then, there's there's like a reward for getting that upgrade. Yeah, and it it's like it's totally such a I mean it seems simple. It's like well instead of pinging the radar yourself, it just automatically pings every like every couple seconds. But that it's it it really makes the game so much more, like, comfortable to play, and I like that you eventually get that. But when you go back, like, I beat the game, and then I went back to start playing survival mode, and, like, to have to go back to manually pinging it, it's, like, it, it is terrifying. Because <laughs> if, if you don't do it, you'll you'll easily get snuck up on. Like, you have to just keep mashing the, the radar, really. That's kind of my, my issue with this game, and that, like, I honestly don't know if I'm ever going to beat it, because it... it fucking terrifies me. Like, I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies. Like, Lauren likes them, and because of that, I've been more exposed to them, and uh, I like some of them. They're so awesome. Um, Tell your wife she has it, good taste in movies. She she does, indeed. Um, but it's just, like, it's so harrowing and so dark that, like, I, I can only really play it in, like, 45 minutes to an hour chunks. Yeah. And even then, after that, like... The rest of my night is just <laughs> fucked. And, like, there was one night where, like, I went to bed and was just, like, it was, like, a confessional to Lauren. I sh- she was already asleep. But I'm just, like, I just, like, fucking zombies, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm really like, curious how really, far you are, Neil. Um, the, the Buckingham Palace. Okay, because it gets, 
there's some really terrifying stuff where, yeah. where I am. <laughs> the, the, the big thing, Neil, and I'm excited because you need to at least get to this point because I want to hear your thoughts about it, but is the nursery. Patrick, have you gotten to the nursery yet? I, I just did the Tower of London. You so did what? Oh, the Tower, oh, the that's tower. not, yeah, the, the nursery is the next big, like, section. Um, yeah, but the nursery is, it's awesome. That, that's probably the best, the best level in the game, I think. What I'm talking I mean, about is there's a specific enemy type that I just hate. Oh yeah, because yeah. Because it it causes me so much trouble. Well, I think like, it, I think I know the one you're talking about. Um, did you first meet it in Did you first meet it in the Tower of London? Yeah, I first met it there. Yeah, Neil. I mean, and Neil, you've probably heard me talk about it. If, like just my tweets, I've tweeted about it because the first time I came across one, I was what, so mad. What one is it? The the one that explodes. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I've heard about that one. That was actually um, in one of the demos that I played. There was one of the ones that exploded, and those fucking suck. I like I, I died three times right in a row because of the fuckers that explode. That that's my problem. I was climbing the Tower of London, and it was um, during like an intense sequence where I needed to get out of there very quickly, and I died. And after I died, it kind of triggered a cinematic sequence. And then when I got out of the sequence and woke up as the new character, it told me not to go to the Tower of London, but to go to somewhere completely different. So it didn't want me to go back and get my body and continue from where I was. It was really weird. Dude, I there are some times was... where you just need to let that body go. Like I had right before. But Buckingham they had a Palace... sniper rifle and a assault yeah, rifle. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> I, I right before Buckingham Palace, like there's that area right before you go down into it, um, where, like, you kind of get like cornered in an area, and there's a turret. Yeah, and then, like, yeah. A bunch of zombies attack you. Mm-hmm. I, like, I almost had all the fucking zombies cleared out, and then I got bit, and I got there, and I tapped the radar, and realized there was, like, eight zombies over there, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going on, because I, I had already unlocked the padlock, and I was just like, nope, nope, that, like, I lost that shit, there were some landmines there, but I'll find more, I'll, I'll just kill some more, uh, some more of my friends back in the base. Yeah. Well, that's what's great is so many people die in that opening defend the, the defend the safe house <laughs> segment that pretty much every like half hour you can go there and get new gear. Yep. Um, which is nice. I, having like I've got like eighty some odd friends now on Wii U, and I find that it kind of breaks the game a little bit because yeah. I don't know about you guys, but my my stash back at the safe house is actually full. Like I can't hold I haven't any even more. I played the game in two weeks. Mine and, like, well. Because it's basically I'll run into even like I ran into someone in. That, that area right before Buckingham Palace, where it's just like they, I, I killed them, and I'm just like, holy crap! Yeah, sucks for them. <laughs> yeah, great for me. My my first playthrough, I didn't have that problem, but playing through like the survival mode now, like maybe just because I'm doing better too, so I'm using using less gear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm completely full. Like I can't even take anything, and I'm always finding you know yep. like survivors and stuff. So now I do. I, do, I, I, do I find I, it that pretty much I just know that I'm fucked when I use a gun. I feel like some of the items, like flares and the, and the Molotov cocktails and stuff, I don't use those ever. I use oh, flares a lot. Man. Yeah, you, you, Patrick, you will totally begin to use those. I a lot. lit myself on fire with <laughs> one of my first Molotov cocktails because I misjudged how far it spread, and I was like, "All right, I got them," and it kind of took a bad bounce and was near me. I was like, "I think I'm fu- oh shit." <laughs> Patrick, how many how many times have you died? I think seven. That's not too. That's not too bad. Probably where you are now. Like Andy already died like forty five times. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm at. I'm at like nine. The the last three of those deaths deaths have all been the the dumb guys that explode. That explode. Yeah. They, they come out of corners, and I only have my bat up. Yeah, and, yep. then, and it's, it's just instinctual. Like... Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm. 
that's what I'm most worried about ending my survival run is accidentally hitting one of those like just how, how far thinking. are you on the survival run? Ah, uh, I'm where you're at. I just finished the Tower of oh, London. Oh God! Wow. Yeah, that is really far. There's two more parts I'm uh I'm worried about. Um, the nursery, and then one one other thing, like near the end of the game. I think if I can get past those two, I'm gonna, I can do it. So, but yeah, great game. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. But Patrick, you really don't don't dismiss flares and Molotov cocktails. Like I always keep a flare in like my right inventory slot, like on the main screen, and then a Molotov cocktail on the left because there'll be times where all of a sudden a group of zombies will come at you, and you just toss yeah. a flare. They all go to the flare, and then you just toss the Molotov, and it kills them all. Yeah, I've started doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, at least th- at least always have a flare handy because it can really. I mean, even if zombies are attacking you, they'll go for the flare once you throw it. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of game that I know I'm gonna go back to, but I'm really in no rush, and it's just like I, I'll probably attempt to beat it, but I don't know if I'll if like my nerves can take it. To me, this seems like the perfect game. Like in I don't know six months or so. Like, for us all to sit down and do, like, a let's play of, and, like, every week come back, like, after, like, well, each week we'll do a section of it and then come back and talk about it. That, that would be a we, great idea, because that would probably get me to go through it if I haven't yeah. seen it by then. Like, well, every time we'll, we'll do a level each week and then come back and yeah, talk I mean, about it. Yeah, I mean, you'll probably know the game fucking inside and out. So <laughs> That's why I want to wait. That's why I'm not saying let's do it now, because, I, you know, I'm doing my survival run, and, yeah, I, I'm not ready to play through it again yeah. yet, but... Yeah, but I, I I love this game so much. I I mean I think it's fantastic. It's just it, it's fucking harrowing, man. <laughs> it is. It's it like is. this and The Walking Dead. I think are the most the two most depressing games I've ever played. No, I don't I don't know if it'll help. But like I said way back when when I first talked about this game, I think if you just accept the fact that you're going to die, it becomes a little a little less frightening. Like it's a little easier to get through. But it totally still is. Just it's just frightening and. No, I mean, that's really, like, I was getting really pissed off when I would die early on, and then I'm just like, you know what? I'm not really that good at first-person shooters. I'm probably going to die a lot. I'm just going to go with it. And since then, I, I enjoyed it a lot more. And then, I mean, what really killed me is that I died in Buckingham Palace, and then I just kind of, like, realized, I'm like, I have so fucking far to come back here. Yeah. I don't want to do that right now. And that that can happen, yeah, depending where you die. Yeah. Um, that can kind of put a damper on things. Um, if it's not, you know, if you didn't activate, like, the little sword to get back there quickly or something. Yeah. Um, but still, love it. But anyway, um, let's move on to you, Scott, so you can talk about XCOM, Enemy Unknown. Yes. Um, yeah, XCOM, Enemy Unknown. This is a game I totally have wanted to get for a couple months now. I think it came out in October because, I mean, it's, like, perfectly the game I want to play. I, I love turn-based strategy games. Um, I love this kind of game where, you know, each unit moves around the map and units have different abilities. I mean, my favorite 3DS game for probably like a year and a half was that Ghost Recon game, um, which is like a light version of this. And, um, yeah, so I finally bought it off Steam. I think I just missed the sale, though. I bought it, like, for full price, and I think I saw, like, in, like, the recent news about this game that there was, like, a sale for it, like, the week before or something. Yeah, because Ghost Recon Future Soldier was made by uh, Julian Gallup. The guy who, like, made XCOM, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know that. I, I think it was. That sounds... Okay, that sounds right. And it, it totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, XCOM, it's great. There's a lot of, a lot of cool, neat things about it. Um, first and foremost, that as you're playing, you, your squad, um, after missions, levels up. But they can also die during battle, and when they die, like, that's it. They don't come back. Um... So there's kind of, it's kind of like Fire Emblem in that way, where it's like, there's always soldiers to replace them, but they do, you know, they start from the very lowest rank, so you lose a lot of progress if you do that. 
Do um, they have story significance if no, you let them die? No, okay. they don't. So that that's a little unlike Fire Emblem, too. Because like, that's why I hate Fire Emblem. I know, because every character's got this elaborate backstory, and then they have, like, bonds with other characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just can't... I, I just gave up on Fire Emblem completely. Yeah, no, these, these are all faceless soldiers, although you can edit them, so you can completely... Like, they come with, like, a stock name and appearance, but you can actually completely edit them, so, like... I can make all of you guys my soldiers if I wanted to. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I always enjoyed hearing people talk on podcasts about XCOM, being like, "Yeah," and then this friend of mine died. Yeah, I actually watched my friend Luke play this for about an hour, hour and a half. I I think I would have killed myself um, because I'm not good at those kinds of games, but it looks real pretty. And if you like if if you like strategy games like that, it's kind of cool. We named one of the female, we named our female sniper Tits McGee. Perfect. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, and I love strategy games, so this is, like, totally something I'm into. But you're right, you have to be very meticulous. Like, you have to, in every level there's always cover, like, whether it's, um, like, walls or, you know, cars or just you, just things around the environment, trees. Um, and you have to move your characters, like, in and out of cover, because if you leave them out in the open and then an alien attacks you, you will pretty much die, and if you're not dead, you'll take a lot of damage. And the thing about taking damage, even if you survive the that level, that battle, after you get back to base, that character will be wounded for some amount of days, depending on how much damage he took. So you can have a character out for, like, seven days, and then that means your next mission, he won't be available, and you'll have to use, like, a scrub or just one of your other guys that you've leveled up as well. Uh, I don't want no scrubs. <laughs> Beautiful, Zach. Um, and then when you get back to the base, there's a lot of stuff too, a lot of decisions to make. Um, as far as like, um, you can. No, that was new- cool. That part I really liked. Right. It basically becomes like a sim game almost. Like you have your underground base, and then you can choose what structures you want to build. So you can build laboratories or workshops or satellite uplinks and all these things. And they all provide different things for you. So if you build more laboratories, you'll gain more scientists to do more research. Uh, which will, like, upgrade uh, weapons and different things like that. But you need to also have engineers with your workshops to actually build those upgrades uh, that you research in the lab. So there's kind of, like, I don't know, some incentive to balance those out pretty well. And, it's a uh, little unbelievable. Believe it or not, it's a little bit like uh, uh, Metal Gear Portable Ops and uh, Peace Walker. Oh, okay. I haven't played those. They have uh, similar similar systems. And then also you've got the, the XCOM project is funded by different countries in the world. And as you're playing the game, those countries' panic levels will rise depending on, like, if they're getting attacked by aliens or whatnot. And there'll be points in the game where you have to decide, you know, like, three different countries will be getting attacked. And you have to decide which one you want to go to and help. And you can only help one. So it becomes this, and then there's some risk-reward there because depending which country you pick, you might get different things. Like, one country might give you $200. The other country might give you three scientists. And so you kind of have to look at your needs as well as, like, the panic chart. Because if a country becomes too panicked, they'll actually leave the project, which will cut your funding so you'll get less money each month to spend on research and weapons and stuff like that. And um, if eight countries leave the XCOM project, then it's game over. Um, the, the project just shuts down, and, and that's the end of your game. Um, so it's pretty cool. I mean, on two folds, I mean, when you're actually in battle, and then just the other kind of, like, sim part where you're trying to build your base and become, like, fully upgraded and all these different paths you want to take. So it's, it's really, really awesome. And playing that game, like, hours just disappear. <laughs> it's very easy to get just sucked into it with all the minutia of what you can do. So I'm yeah, very, It sounds very... like something that's not, someone that's not me could get into. <laughs> 
It sounds like some, that something someone not you could get into. <laughs> someone that's not me. It sounds like it's very, very good, but it's not my bag, baby. I, I can appreciate how well put together it was. Yeah, it, it, it is really well done, and, and I enjoy that. Like, it's... I mean, it's a very, like, thorough game, and it's very polished, but no, it's not a game for everyone. But if you like strategy games, um, definitely play it. I'm so glad I didn't wait longer to play it. I'd wanted to get it, but it came at the time I was trying to hurry through Xenoblade Chronicles so I could get that done before all the Wii U stuff came out. Um, So I'm glad I've gone back to it now. It's a great game to be playing now while I'm off for the semester. So I love it. Alright, so I've got a few games, including two games that are new releases this week, and one that was a new release, I guess, two weeks ago? I don't know exactly when it came out. I'll start off with that one first, because it's probably the worst. Uh, that's Marvel Avengers Battle for Earth for the Wii U, huh. which is a weird behind-the-back fighting game in which on the Wii U, you either use the Wii Remote and the Nunchuck like an asshole and move them around, or you basically just, like, draw shapes on the game <laughs> <laughs> your character does stuff. That all sounds terrible. <laughs> it's it's mildly enjoyable, but I'm just like, this is the stupidest fighting game I have ever played. Which is funny because I, I played that. Well, they, they had a demo for the Kinect version. I also played it at New York Comic Con. Oh yes. Um, and that shit is fucking awesome because it's basically like you can do two player. And you stand next to your friend and you do like movements like you're fucking Thor throwing lightning bolts in the hammer. And then you do movements like you're Hulk smashing or Captain America throwing his, his shield. And, like, that is awesome. But when you're just, like, tapping a button on the gamepad and then drawing, like, uh, an asterisk with your stylus, you kind of lose all <laughs> of that. A little bit. Um, and every character plays, like, a slight variation of the other one. Um, it looks nice. Does it, though? Yeah, yeah, actually, I mean, it does. It's, you know, nice art. Um, Who's your favorite character to play as? Honestly, like, none of them. (laughs) None of them. I I mean, they have a lot of characters. Like, they got all the Avengers from the movies. They got Spider-Man. They got Wolverine, Magneto, Doctor Doom, um, Human Torch. Yes, yeah, good, the scroll. Human Torch. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a scroll, maybe it's not the Human Torch. I don't even remember. Human Torch, played, of course, by Captain America. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Marvel Avengers Battle for Earth. And that's the last I'll ever talk about that on this show, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> Moving on to a really good game, Escape Vector on the 3DS eShop. It's from... No! Uh, the guys who made Notebooks and Spirit Hunters. And also Escape Vector Chapter 1. Um... Escape Vector is kind of like a weird version, weird take on Pac-Man. And the whole conceit of the game is that, like, it's like, oh, this guy is in your, he's trapped in your 3DS or your Wii or whatever. I need to get out. Um, and so what you do is, like, you're in the system CPU or whatever nonsense they're trying to throw at you. But each level is kind of just like a series of, like, lines that are connected, usually in, well, I mean, a series of, like, squares that are connected to some degree. And you move around on lines, and your goal is to kind of, like, cross over every line, and then you unlock an exit, and you have to get there. But they add in all these obstacles where there's, like, uh, patrolling enemies, there's ones that hunt you down, there's ones that, uh, 
kind of like shoot stuff at you and ones that erase your line too. And it gets really, really intense. And it's just this very, very nice, like arcade experience that's great for portables and gets, I mean, it, you just get really, really into it. It gets very, very addictive because like, I mean, it'll be the kind of thing where I'll kind of map out my strategy for one level and then get near the end of it and die and just be like, okay, if I did this differently, then I would have done it better. Sounds um, like Picross 3D. I wouldn't say it's as good as that because Picross 3D is easily the best game I've ever played in my entire <laughs> life. Um, but it is kind of similar in that regard, except for it's a lot more action-y. But it is that kind of thing that you have these individual levels that, you know, you kind of pour over because you want to find out the best strategy to attack them. And, and then you execute that, and you still need to be quick about it. Intriguing. Yeah. That comes out tomorrow? Do, yep. Do you know what its price is? No. <laughs> no! <laughs> I get it. <laughs> not not knowing the price, what would you pay for it, Neil? I like 10 bucks. Okay. Maybe, maybe like 12 I'm actually checking our email. Well, Scott, uh, you can uh, you can now get that game courtesy of me. There you go. I know. I got that email. Thank you for owning <laughs> yeah. up to your side of the bet. If you'd like to make any other really stupid bets, I am always here. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a new Super Mario Bros. U2. He doesn't think Nintendo TV is coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think I think Nintendo TV is coming out tomorrow, but it'll be, like, completely incomplete. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's not even the fucking prediction, man. Like that's... they said. <laughs> I know. I know, but I'm not surprised. Uh, That's the point. Uh, Escape Vector is $10. Oh, there you uh, go. Which is a fair price. There's a lot of content in that game. Ah, oh, fair price. Zach, you might have just given me the title for this episode completely incomplete. I, um, that's pretty good. I was gonna go with, um, dating tips for Danny, because in the, uh, Assassin's Creed segment with Patrick, he talks about how you met this awesome girl, um, <laughs> and, like, she loved, like, in like in Japan, mind you, in Tokyo, and, like, this awesome girl who loved Assassin's Creed and, like, a bunch of, like, Western games, but then he didn't oh. get her number. He, like, was too oh. shy. He let I her go. about that story. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was heart-wrenching just listening to it. <laughs> so, Gotta we'll get see. them digits. <laughs> Always be closing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so the last thing that I have to talk about is Wario Land 2, which comes out on Virtual Console tomorrow. Thank Lord. Finally. Um, I've been playing through it, and I realize that this is the one portable Wario Land game that I that I played back like 15 years ago, <laughs> and it's really good. I, I, I could never really... I could never really remember which one was the Wario Land game that I played, because I just borrowed it from a friend when I was like in 5th grade or something. And now I know that it was Wario Land 2. And it's so good. It, it's way better than the first one. That's what I was going to ask. I thought the first one was kind of mediocre and <laughs> slow. The first and... one was... I, 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 I do remember playing the first one around that same time, but I just remember that Wario Land 2 was the one I spent a lot of time with. Um, I did not remember that the first one was that bad. No. Like, uh, I was kind of shocked when I played it about how much I did not enjoy playing that game. And just think, that's what you were anticipating all last year. Yeah, yeah, Waiting I was for that. really <laughs> excited for that. Um, Wario Land 2 is way better than that. Um, I mean, Wario's invincible this time, and that's kind of fun. You get flattened by stuff, and you turn into things. But cool. kind of like Kirby's Epic Yarn, you don't die, but you do want to keep all those coins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is it, it works. 
I'll pick it up then. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right, that's about all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. It's Warrior Land 2. You probably know if you want to get it at this point. Because you've been pissed at Japan and Europe for having it for months. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, and then Fluidity's next week, so that's pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's that's it, guys. What have I been playing, you assholes? You, we discussed this before the show, dude. Nothing. You've been exactly. playing New Super Mario. You said nothing, and you've been playing New Super Mario Brothers U. And the first question in listener mail was about New Super Mario Brothers U. So and we talked about it then. We didn't even really talk about it on the show, but I don't mind. <laughs> I, I do want to. What else? What else do you have to say, Zach? Hold on. What else do you have to say? Shut up. No. <laughs> Never. I like the. Uh... The mini-boss in the Rock Candy Mountain, uh, it was that giant uh, electro-stompy dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sumo Koopa, who was in Mario Brothers, who was in World. And it was real cool to see him again. Game's full of little surprises like that. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, it's a fucking fantastic game. It from is. Start to finish. Well, actually, I would say the first two worlds are kind of like more the same from, like, Wii and everything, but oh, then yeah. after that, basically, I think there's that moment in that game after you finish the second world, which is the desert world, which we all know. Especially um, if you go up to the icy world, that place is a nightmare. Well, no, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I just for, for me, it's the singular <laughs> moment where that game just went off from being like, okay, this is kind of fun being like, oh, shit. When you finish that world, and it's like, do you want to go left, or do you want to go right? And, yeah. you know, lo- you know, if you, if you, or if you go up, you go to the ice world, and if you go below and then you go to the the water world and it was just like that moment where i'm like oh wow that's kind of cool and i went to the ice world and i was like this is amazing went to the water world this is also great <laughs> and then and then went on from there and found some secret exits wound up in like um watch i'm gonna call it the, the rock candy mountains skipped over soda jungle and was like oh i gotta double back gotta get check out that <laughs> starry night level like that that game is awesome man i wish there were more levels like that yeah yeah i do too i just wish there were kind of like more secrets because it seems like they they stick pretty stringently to like the one secret per well like one secret level per world right they do and yeah. it seems like it's it's almost like that takes the fun out of it yeah because there are, it's like, there are okay, 12 secret exits but yeah yeah but aren't there yeah there is only one secret level per world right and, and, well there's right. yeah there are 12 worlds no no there, yeah. Other levels, other levels have secret exits. They just don't take you to new levels. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the every every world has one secret level. Yeah, and and most of them are in ghost houses. Uh, actually, no, I wouldn't say no. that. Se- seemed like I'd a say, lot of them were in ghost houses. I mean, there's there's three in the Soda Jungle one. Yeah. Man, I need to go back and play more of that game. Anyway, it's a good game. It is. And now that I now that I beat it 100, percent I can play some challenges. And I can get the back to. Pretty cool. Uh, is it cool? They're pretty cool. They're yeah. not like amazing, but so, like it's, it's like I feel like they're hit or miss. Where like some of them are awesome, and then other ones you're like, well, this is kind of stupid. <laughs> the co-op challenges are all pretty cool. I haven't really tried. No, I don't have I played a little bit of them for the review, but that was about it. Um, I do like the ones where it's like you need to bounce off of enemies while in the uh, the flying squirrel suit and not touch the ground. Like, oh, those are cool. really hard and frustrating, but they're really, really fun, and I feel like I feel like I'm the fucking king of the world when I finish one of those. <laughs> those are cool. The The coin battle mode is really fun if you can get a few people together yeah. for that, especially because you can set up teams now, so oh. it gets super competitive, and you can just really fuck with each other, like throw and shells also, at each other. And... The person on the gamepad 
can uh like place coins and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. I need to play more of that. I, I keep on forgetting about that because I basically just saw that there were teams. I'm like, oh shit, and I just. Every time I have friends over, we just play Nintendo Land. Yeah, at, at PAX, I want us to really fuck around with that. I think we can ask yeah, for yeah. Uh Now I can start, now that I beat Mario, what I was going to say is I can uh, finally sit down and beat Darksiders 2. Yay. Go. go buy Zombie U. I stopped playing that game because uh, I'm really far into it, but uh, there was a point where Death gets to basically his goal, and somebody pops up in front of him and is like, well, I'm not going to let you pass until you get these two things for me, so. And I was like, come on. <laughs> it's right there. I stopped playing. <laughs> I was angry. <laughs> it's the end of the world, but would you do my laundry? Yeah, sure. All right, um. Can I tell my, can I tell my joke? Yeah, let's end with Zach's joke. Because not everybody subscribes to me on Twitter, which you should. At ZMiller1902, uh, you'll hear gold like this. Uh, Soldier Boy's new favorite game is New Super Mario Brothers. You! Soldier Boy, tell. Hey, I got the new dance for y'all called a Soldier Boy. You got a punch then crank back three times from left to right. Soldier Boy, I'm in it. Why me crank it? Why me roll? Hello and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm your host, Danny Bivens, and I'm joined today by Mr. Patrick Barnett. Hello, everyone. How you doing today, man? I, I'm doing very well. I'm excited to talk about some Assassin's Creed 3. Yep, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about here today, Assassin's Creed 3, uh, kind of telling you about the game without, you know, spoiling anything, and also kind of taking a look into the past, of, you know, the series, too, to kind of see how the series has evolved from the first game up until this point. And I guess with that said, we can just start off, like, Patrick, what? How many of these games have you played? Have you played any of them before? What system have you played them on? Um, well, well, I first got Assassin's Creed, the, the original, on my PlayStation, my PlayStation Three, and when I played it, I, it was kind of iffy. I didn't really like it. I I never got through the entire thing, to be honest, because it just kind of I don't know. I didn't like running from town to town. I thought it was just too stretched out, and there wasn't enough interaction in between point A to point B. But then I, I got Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood Revelation through some crazy Steam deal um, on my PC, and I, I just love them so much more. I thought there was tons to do, and I just really, really enjoyed those games in general. Cool. Yeah, I, I know for me, when the first game came out, I, you know, it came out in 2007. I was reading reviews and stuff like that, and I, I, I from what I heard, it wasn't like, they weren't bashing the game, but it just definitely didn't seem like it was really great or something so yeah, I had really it had its low... problems for sure yeah it definitely did and that kind of made me have kind of really low expectations for the game so uh, one day i was out in tokyo in akihabara there's like this import game store for american games that i i went to and i saw it and it was roughly like 80 bucks and i bought it just on a whim you know made of money so who cares uh <laughs> 
And, you know, I started playing it, and I, I was really blown away, mainly because, you know, at the time, in 2007, when the game came out, I mean, if you really think about stuff that came out before then on that those platforms, you know, 360 and PS3, there's really nothing that was so uh, vast, I guess, with the, you know, gaming world, where you just look out from, like, a little cliff looking onto, like, Jerusalem or, you know, Damascus or something like that, and... The thing is, it's like, you can just go anywhere here. You don't have to, you know, do another loading sequence or anything like that. Things were just, you know, yeah. right there. Uh, there. There were some loading sequences here and there, but sure. generally the entire area, like one entire section, was in its own location. Right, right. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, I thought the combat was great. Uh story was not bad. Uh <laughs> And... Yeah, it, but, you know, with the second game, it just really, really took it to a whole new level. I mean, you know, they added currency, you can upgrade weapons, you even had, like, your own villa that you can fix up and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, cause I, I had it on, I had both of those games on the 360, and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, it, it just seemed like it was just getting better and better. Uh, I, I did not pick up Brotherhood or Revelations, though, for whatever reason. Um, I guess I ran out of money or something, I don't know. But um, without going into too much spoilers, I mean, now that I know you've played three somewhat, did the did the story feel a little bit jarring going from two right into three? Just the stuff outside of the historical uh, yeah, you know, yeah. story, which is a it's a huge part of it in Assassin's Creed three, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I I feel like there was a lot of story driven stuff in Brotherhood and Revelations that has come into play in three so far. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of weird because I was like, oh, that happens? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's surprising, and I didn't have to play through a whole game to find that out, which is, I don't know how to feel about that. But, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know about you, Patrick, but when I'm playing these games, I'm not usually playing for those segments where you're outside of the animus and, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but... Hmm. I think I think as a whole, like, if you could... If I could play those segments, like, independently of the rest of the game, I would really... Like, they'd kind of be their own little fun little side quest type yeah. deal. But the way it breaks it up into parts, I, I don't like that as much. Because it's more insignificant than the historical stuff. Exactly. Because it's almost like you're they're just like tacking it on. Like, oh, you got to do this too. Uh, you know, kind of forced into it, I guess, a little bit. Whether you like it or not. But So, I, you know, I know with... Well, I think with Brotherhood and Revelations, didn't they have some kind of like tower defense stuff in yeah, there? there? There was... I, I hated it. <laughs> I, I avoided it at all costs. It, it was just really clunky, and it, it didn't work well on a console. Like, you could play tower defense games on an iPhone or probably on DSiWare through eShop. They're, they're probably vastly superior. Anywhere else, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, when I read about that, I wasn't <laughs> too impressed, but that, that's not why I didn't buy the game. I just, you know, I just didn't. But, you know, jump ahead to the third game. Um, you know, it's... I guess we can tell you about the main character if you haven't heard about him already. If you're listening to this and know anything about video games, you probably already do. But um, the main character of the game, his name is Connor. He's half Native American and half British. And he has a Native American name that I don't think either of us can pronounce. <laughs> I, I um, couldn't even remember it. They only mention it, like, early on, and it's not yeah. really brought up again. And then sometimes they'll say it in conversations because he's talking in his native tongue. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of um, falls to the wayside for me. Yeah. No so way I'm going to try and even think. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, and I think they mentioned his name, but it's like I'm trying to pick it out in between every other word that they're saying, and it's hard. <laughs> but, yeah, and obviously with the game, too, the setting is colonial, colonial America, kind of right around the time of the American Revolution, and basically Connor kind of gets thrown into the mix where, you know, he gets he meets a lot of uh, important historical figures and uh, gets caught up in battles and uh, different you know, problems and stuff like that going on in the area around the time, and it's it's really interesting. And you know, obviously, you got guys like George Washington and you know Ben Franklin in the game, stuff like that. But even aside from them, there are like more lesser known historical characters that also make appearances, not maybe as prominent, you know, non playable characters yeah, or something. Th- there were a lot of people that like I heard growing up learning about these things in school that. The name sounded familiar. I just couldn't place who they were or what they did. And this game actually kind of sheds light, at least in a historical fiction sense, of who they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I treat this as real now. <laughs> it fills in my American history knowledge. Yeah. If if you're taking an American history test, just play this game and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. It's just like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I'm not sure if that <laughs> that that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. It has to be. Um <laughs> And what what I think is kind of cool too is that, you know, like I said, there are some you know lesser characters. Like for example, uh, there was a guy from France named Lafayette. He came and he fought with the Americans. It's kind of like a in like a prominent position, uh, directing troops and stuff like that. And he's in the game, and he doesn't really do much. There's like an interactive conversation you can have with him, where you just talk and walk around with him. But um, it's interesting that they include stuff like that in there. And not only that, Patrick, I don't know if you got into this stuff too, but like in the game, you know, because you're inside of a machine, so you can check out the Animus database, and there is a lot of information in there that you can read. Like I, I haven't pulled it up, but it, there's there's that notification window that pops up all the time. That's just like new information in the database. Whether you go to like you you go to a whole bunch of different locations that have historical significance, um, like Bunker Hill, uh, Valley Forge, and stuff like that. I'm guessing that's the type of stuff you'd read about. Exactly, and they even have, I think, I don't know if it's just complete crap or what, if it's, like, actual newspaper clippings or stuff like that, but uh, if anything, it's at least convincing enough to <laughs> make me feel like this is, like, a could have been a newspaper clipping from way back then or something. <laughs> That'd be really um, cool if they did that. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, they, this stuff, this kind of stuff is available. I mean, history majors, you got to look at, you know, primary sources and stuff like that, so, you know, I think. <laughs> Maybe some of the stuff's legit. I mean, they got uh, Ben Franklin's Farmer's Al- Almanac in there too. With it's the thing; it's the real thing, and um, yeah, so that's really cool. So you can read up on tons and tons of stuff um, from the game, from basically real life stuff that really happened. But yeah, <laughs> so that was that was pretty cool. And um, you know, one really cool thing about this game that's completely different from the other the other ones is that you know, obviously. Being in North America, there really aren't, at this time, even now, there's no buildings that have been standing for, you know, a thousand years or anything like that. There's just nothing that is, like, his historically significant, well, I guess in the terms in terms of, like, being around for a long time, you know, in America at the time. Kind of, kind of like in Assassin's Creed 2, there were, like, landmarks that you would come across that you know these have been here forever. Mm-hmm. And in Assassin's Creed 3, those aren't really prominent <laughs> yeah, like, yeah like here's a clock tower and it's it's been here for 30 years it's just like yeah Ooh. exactly <laughs> yeah 
so you know, and that in in the time at the time too in America, I mean, you know, it's, there are quite a few people in the colonies and you know in early America, but I mean, nothing like you would find in you know Europe or you know or in the uh, Jerusalem or Damascus or whatever way back in the day. It's just not the way it was. Um, so I think they do a good job at kind of it, putting that on the screen and showing that to you. And, um, two, I mean, you don't have, like, a lot of buildings. I mean, there are quite a few buildings to climb around, but there's none that are really... You don't have, <laughs> I guess, the same amount of huge towers and stuff like that that you would have found in the, you know, the older games. I mean, if I had to give, like, a relative size, I'd say, like, the tallest buildings around six stories, maybe. Like, Probably, if, yeah. If that... You're yeah. never towering over the city. Like, yeah. I, I remember in Assassin's Creed 2 specifically, there was one, um town that was just or tower that was just giant and you could like look over all of uh i think it was florence probably Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean it's still cool because then they add another element into the game which they they kind of had in other games Uh, i can't speak for revelations of brotherhood but um at least one and two it's kind of like a wilderness area frontier area and um this time it's definitely a hell of a lot denser than what you would have found in the previous games. Um, you know, basically, it, it's called the Frontier, and it's like this thick forested area, and it's it's crazy, and it's awesome. There's like a lot of stuff to do there, and normally, there's there's fast travel locations that where you can like, you enter into the Frontier, and you can jump right to the other side to go where you need to go for like, story purposes. But, generally, in this game, I in, at least, Assassin's Creed 2 and stuff, I would just jump right ahead and just progress the story but here i'm finding myself i'm running across the entire map and i i do it a different way kind of each time because i just like finding what's out there because um i this is a good time to mention it but hunting i I just run across run across the fields and all of a sudden there's just a giant elk or deer standing in front of me and you just pull Mm -hmm. out your bow and arrow you shoot it you skin it and then you can vendor off those items later to just a merchant and just that type of interaction as you're roaming the landscape is really interesting. Yeah, and, you know, with the hunting, too, I mean, you're not limited to just using a bow and arrow. You can use, you know, a gun. Uh, yeah, there's, there, different... there's traps and bait that you can mm-hmm. use. Yeah. I, 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 I never use those, though. <laughs> yeah, or you can just use the hidden blade, which is what I do. Because basically, you sneak up on elk and deer. I just run at them and then just oh, wow. catch them. Yeah. I, I can never do it. They're too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I caught yeah, a rabbit like, once and that was it. <laughs> the, li- the little guys, like the rabbits, they're really hard to catch. I, I don't know what this one was doing. He was like running away from me and then he turned around. He doubled back and I was just like, oh, well, bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And basically with the hunting too, depending on what you use to kill the animal, it can uh, depreciate the value of, you know, your spoils, I guess. Uh, if you're using the bow and arrow or a gun and you shoot the animal, you're not going to get as much money for the carcass and the fur and all that stuff. I, I think what happens is you don't get the meat from them. Is that I what it that, is? I think that, I feel like that's what they mentioned. I'll have to look into it more, but I know, I know using like your hidden blade, you get basically everything. I think that's the best option to do it. Exactly. Cause it's, it's a clean kill. It's like he comes in and just basically stabs him in the neck and it's pretty satisfying. And like I said, it, it you know, it, it's I it's not really like broken, but I mean, like I said, I'm hunting, but it's really just me just bull rushing these animals and just stabbing them in the head. I I'm, mean, <laughs> I don't think it works well as like a standalone experience, but 
seeing how it's just like this intermediate thing to do from point A to point B, I think it works in that sense. Exactly. I mean, if this was a hunting game, this would be a problem, <laughs> but it, it's not. So Native American hunting, 2012. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they're going to start next year, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, there are really aren't a lot of, you know, buildings out there, but you still do come across like settlements and stuff, which. When you first like look at it, you first just see a ton of trees and mountains. It's just a really beautiful, beautiful landscape. And as you're, you know, kind of walking along the road, you'll come across towns and stuff like that. And I, I don't know about you, Patrick, but I, I definitely wasn't expecting that. You know, when I was first going into the frontier, I just figured it was going to be just this vast wilderness. You know, I was with... thinking like maybe one or two like towns. Like I knew uh, Lexington and Concord, another kind of significant location were going to be in there. I'd read about that prior, but there, there's all these other little additional, like maybe one or two buildings just kind of set up somewhere, just here and there, everywhere. And I, I think there's like some British forts early in the game, maybe. I can't, I yep. can't remember, but stuff like that, it's just everywhere. Exactly. And yeah, the British forts also too, it's not like a big part of the story, but I mean, it's optional. You can go in and like ransack the place <laughs> and get like a lot of money and stuff. It's pretty fun. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just tons and tons of stuff to do. And I mean, they have like, you know, little collectible things that you, that are scattered throughout the world too, that you can find. And, um, I guess, you know, one other thing that they kind of brought back to this game too, is, you know, with Assassin's Creed 2, uh, you know, they had the villa basically in, uh, kind of like a town and your house that you can fix up and make awesome basically. And man, with Assassin's Creed 2, I, I did everything. That's, I think one of only two games that I got all the achievement points in the 360 version because I just couldn't stop playing. I didn't think the villa was that... I didn't like upgrading the villa. Now, you didn't play Brotherhood. I don't think this was in 2, but in Brotherhood, you could buy shops, and that's kind of... You can do that in 2. Yeah, you can do that in 2 also, because like your villa was like this... Basically like a small village, pretty much. Well, I, I guess in Brotherhood, it's... um In, in 2, you earned revenue by having your villa upgraded and it would kind of deposit more money into your bank per se by upgrading the villa and in brotherhood and revelations it's the same way as you upgrade the shops that is what upgrades your like 20 minute income and i i just thought it was more interesting running around and upgrading the entire city rather than just one isolated location sure yeah definitely and well you know w with this with Assassin's Creed 3, they kind of have a, a similar thing, and it's not just your own house. I mean, they're basically what you do. You find different people, basically recruit them to come and live on your land. And it's really cool because, I mean, you, there's all sorts of different people that you find, lots of interesting characters. Um, like, you find these two dudes that are kind of like always like kind of picking on each other and kind of messing around and sometimes fight each other <laughs> and uh you know they come and they you know do like your woodwork and then you find some other people to do you know all sorts of different stuff it's really cool and you know from the beginning of the game to the point where i'm at now it's you're basically your homestead it's what it's called it, it can really expand and be something significant and awesome like lots of cool little shops and just stuff like that it's really interesting but have you messed around with that stuff? I, I haven't stuff? dabbled with it yet. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, you could find basically homestead recruits, like, all over the place. I mean, not just in your little homestead area. I mean, you can find them in the in the frontier. Uh, you Are they find in cities, them. too? You could, Yeah, you can find them in Boston and stuff. I'm pretty Seriously. sure. That, that's, that's the type of thing. There's that, and, I mean, you can do that probably post-game. That's probably mm -hmm. a lot of what I'll do. 
But um, there, there's all this other stuff you can do post-game, too. I know there's missions and side quests and collectible stuff mm-hmm. everywhere throughout the entire game. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's really pretty all-encompassing experience. There's tons of stuff to do. Um, so, I mean, you shouldn't get bored <laughs> you no. know, playing this game. I mean, even when I'm just trying to get from point A to point B, I keep using that example, but it's like I'm running across Boston, and I just see off the left on my mini-map, there is, say, like an almanac page just blowing through the breeze, and you have to go catch it. And it's like, well, I guess I can waste this five minutes and just kind of go out of my way and enjoy this kind of like parkour-esque running across rooftops trying to catch just a piece of paper blowing in the wind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, there, there are tons and tons of stuff to do, and that's really cool. And uh, one other segment of the game, which is new to the series, is uh, basically you can be the captain of your own ship and sail around and shoot stuff. Uh, Have you done this a lot yet? Because I only did it the one time when it explained it. I haven't done it too much, actually, but... I did do one the other day. Actually, I just talked about this on the Famicast, too. Uh, it's kind of a little bit... I mean, it's really fun. It looks great. Some uh, We'll talk about this a little bit, too. But, I mean, sometimes the game can be a little bit glitchy. Uh, like, I had to run down the ship, and, you know, you're chasing it. You're trying to go as fast as you can. And then you get to the point where you're actually, you know, fighting with your cannons and stuff. And uh, from what I understand, like, you know old naval warfare, basically ships would be circling each other, firing each other, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, it seems kind of like weird, but hey, you know, they had to do what they had to do. And when I was fighting this ship, he somehow basically crashed into this beach and just was stuck. (laughs) The ship did. And like half of it was like clipping into the beach like really bad. And so I just went and I crashed into the beach and then I just started (laughs) firing on him and then eventually destroyed him. And, yeah, I think I had to, like, board the ship, too. But somehow I could just turn right out of the beach, you know, as big ships can do after <laughs> they get crashed on the beach. Um, boarded the ship, you know, kicked the captain's ass, whatever. Now, you, you mentioned, like, clipping and kind of that, I guess that's kind of like a bug type of deal. But have you run into a lot of other situations where the game's done that? Because I sure have where, like, villagers, like, I, I know one time I was riding on a cart and a villager somehow was in front of my cart. And they got knocked over, and they got caught on my wheel of the cart, and it was kind of like slowing the whole thing down. And it <laughs> just made this whole story quest go so slow. Wow, <laughs> I it, yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's one thing about this game. There are a lot of technical bugs, and uh, I mean, I've run into I've run into some like at least every time I play. And I mean, for me, because I think the setting and the story are so interesting, and the combat's just fantastic. I love it, and um. So that's great. It, it doesn't but... bother me, like, whatsoever, because I think it's mostly the scope of the game. It's so large and so expansive that there's bound to be, like, one or two technical snafus here and there. Exactly. It's like, it's a new engine, too. So, I mean, you know, it's just kind of, this is what's going to happen, you know. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> there, there, there are going to be problems, and there's just really no getting around that. Like, I don't know. Sometimes... <sighs> I don't think they should be a real holdup. No, and they're not. It's... They, they don't take away from gameplay. That's the thing. Typically, they don't. Um, like, for example, if you're riding through the wilderness and you're on your horse or something and you're going kind of fast, and um, I, I noticed one day that basically I saw vegetation just, like, growing 
from the ground, like right in front of me. I was like, what? Because you know, some of the texture, some of it, like on the ground, they're just like, you know, colored textures or like dirt or some kind of short grass, I guess. But then other ones are actually like, you know, longer grass and stuff like that. And if you're going through like really fast, the game's still like loading it and it's just like pops up out of the ground. First I thought I was just like, you know, going crazy or something, but then I kept seeing it. Your so. feet were magic and had magic fertilizer in them. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Could yeah, be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sometimes stuff like that. I, I don't know if you've experienced this, this too, but sometimes, like, things on the map that should be there just aren't there. Like, for example, I, I was doing this side quest called Boston Brawlers, and I did, like, a lot of these different fights with these different guys, and then uh, last up, you go basically back to the original location, and you can go to a tournament. But, and, you know, the, the animus said, like, hey, go back to the, you know, the main place, you know, and, you know, enter the tournament. But the icon wasn't on the map. So I was like, you know, what the hell? And, uh, you know, after doing a little bit of Google searching for, like, you know, two seconds, I, f I figured out that, you know, hey, this isn't just me. It's a problem that a lot of people are having. So I, basically the guy in the, this YouTube video I watched, he said, this is exactly where it is. So just go there and you'll see, you know, the mission thing pop up where a guy's there and you could press, you know, the the button to interact with him. So, you know, I, I did that. But I don't know. Sometimes stuff like that. Uh, other times, like, uh, there are these little trinkets that are scattered around the maps, too. And, like, I was trying to find one yesterday, and I was right on the spot, and it just wasn't there. And I was looking around, and I was like, okay, is it in this tree? No, you can't climb any of these trees around here. Is it inside of this mountain? <laughs> Maybe, but there's no way in. So, <laughs> I, I haven't really run into any like situation that stands out to me in that sense, mm -hmm. but I I imagine it'll happen here and there because there is so many like little quests and stuff. Like just running through towns, I see little side quests bubbles pop up everywhere. Like I can start this mission, start this mission, start this mission. So I'm, I'm guessing one or two icons are going to be misplaced or just not appear at the correct time. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like like we said, this isn't something that breaks the game. It's, it can be kind of annoying sometimes, but I, I've never really had any problems where it just totally ruined the whole game. But it, it's definitely definitely an issue. But yeah, um, you know, and I'm playing this game on the 360. Uh, the Wii U hasn't come out yet here in Japan, but Patrick is actually he's playing the Wii U version. So, you know, with the added touchscreen, all this stuff, is there anything? that is different? Is there anything that you think that they're doing with the Wii U version that you just possibly can't do on the PS3 or 360? Well, if you're playing with a gamepad or... I mean, you can actually... Oh, I guess that wouldn't work either. Well, you, you can play with the Pro Controller with the gamepad kind of just sitting there Okay. at the same time. So I guess either way, but the whole map is just kind of thrown down there on that screen. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty much all that's really different. I don't think swapping out items is any more convenient using the gamepad than just kind of scrolling through them on the on-screen menu. Uh-huh. Um, so most most of the game, I've just been uh, using the Pro Controller and okay. just kind of sit my gamepad off to the side, and I just don't even use it. Hmm. Interesting. And, man, I know there's a lock-picking segment in the game that if there you know, these chests that are kind of scattered throughout the world, and if you don't have, like, a key to it, you have to, like, pick the lock. And to do that, you're using... First, you use the left joystick, and you have to basically twist it around until you hit, like, a certain sweet spot. 
Then you have to use the right joystick and do the same thing. And then once you have that, you have to hold them there. And, like, on the Xbox 360 version, you have to, like, tap like mad on the trigger, on the right trigger, and then it'll, you know, unlock. How is that? It's the same thing. Uh, Left analog stick, right analog stick, and then just the the ZR trigger over and over again. Which I I ran into problems with that where you're, like, trying to hold the two analog sticks in place and then click the button. And as I'm, like, hitting the right trigger, I would move my right thumb and then it would just, like, kind of... You just step back from the whole thing, and I'd be like, "Oh, I have to do this again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten pretty used to it, and that's fine. But I still think it's just something that they, especially with the you know the Wii U version, they could have done something more interesting or something a little bit better. Yeah. So I think I it's mean, kind I, of a missed opportunity. Probably, probably the port of the Wii U version. They, they, it was probably less development time, and they just didn't feel like putting in all these added features. That's probably what it came down to. I think so, too. It's unfortunate, but, I mean, you know, they're kind of working on a tight schedule, and they wanted to make probably make sure they have yeah, this thing out at I launch mean, because... It's still a great game, so if it doesn't have those features, I'm not a... I'm, I don't have a huge problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a uh, random story. Um, <laughs> I was in Tokyo last week uh, in Shinjuku. It's a pretty busy area, and I, I went to a bar, and I, you know, I was having a drink, and... um. I was talking with the bartender, some dude, and, you know, whatever, this normal stuff. And uh, one of the cute girls that work there just suddenly, I don't know how we even got on the topic, but we started talking about games. And, you know, I figured that, oh, she probably likes Dragon Quest and Pokemon or something. You know, it's Japan. But she, she you know, first she was like, oh, you know, I really like Call of Duty. And I'm like, well, what? Seriously? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, and I really like Assassin's Creed. And I was like... Where have you been all my life? <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of fun just having a conversation with somebody in Japan, a, a, a female nonetheless, that actually really liked this series. And I was talking to her about, you know, Assassin's Creed 3, telling her the different stuff that's in it and stuff, and she she got pretty excited. But yeah, to make a long story uh, sad, <laughs> I, I didn't get that phone number because I'm dumb. Oh, that, that was going to be my question at the end of the yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, so if listeners out there have some dating advice for me, uh, please hit me up. Or if you know this girl, send her name. <laughs> there are millions of people in Tokyo, but if you know her, um, send her my way. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think we pretty much covered everything about the game. Uh, the one, one thing I wanted to mention was the combat, which we, we didn't really talk about. Um, it, it, for me, it, it's radically different than 2, I think. Because in 2, you kind of had this just kind of... Ma- at least for me, I just kind of mashed the button and got through the combat, which is what I tried to do with 3, and it just wasn't working. And I, I was watching a video review the other day, and they said it's more like a rhythmically, more like a rhythmic combat system. And I kind of treated it that way, where you kind of just kind of flowed with it, and mm-hmm. I just kind of tapped it in a rhythm between the attack and the counter button, and it worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I started doing better. I could uh, disarm the opponents, throw them, and I just started seeing this whole new side of the, the combat system where it was more fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it looks really, really great where you can kind of chain kills together. And I never get tired of the one where Connor, he, like, gets one guy, does a somersault behind the other guy, and then just kind of swings his arm into his back with his hatchet. Oh, yeah. It's, it, that, that's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, the combat is totally satisfying in this game. I, I really like using the hatchet and just tearing people up. It's it's really great. I saw someone and, post on Meverse that they were like, the hatchet was the worst weapon, and I'm like, I like it so yeah, much. Yeah, me too. It's 
I feel, you know, <laughs> I, I, I look back to the movie The Patriot and I feel like Mel Gibson hacking up that guy. <laughs> you can't do that in the game. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's just cool. It's just, well, you know, there, just... there are some kills where, uh, at least uh, I've seen Connor like he just lunges at a guy and he just kind of hits him four or five times consecutively uh, in the chest. Oh yeah, that, 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 you're right. That is actually a pretty good one. Um, you know, with with the combat in two, it's like God. I haven't played it for a couple of years now, so it's kind of hard for me to remember. But I, I, from what I do remember, I think I relied a lot on the on the um, com, uh, counter stuff. So I don't yeah, know. That's the how the, go the counter, that. like it, when you would counter, it would just kill the opponent normally right away. You would yeah, just, like, just counter and kill him here. When you do the counter, you can either basically throw them or just kind of knock the weapon out of their arm because because you're fighting mostly British people. They're almost always carrying like a musket or something like that, which ends up being very deadly for you. Yeah, and <laughs> what's cool too, like if you're facing a lot of guys and some of them, you know, you're engaged with a couple of different guys and there's some guys standing off to the side and they have, you know, their muskets and they, you know, get ready and they try to fire at you. What you can do in that, if on the 360 version, if you press the A button, you'll basically get the nearest guy near you and pull him in front of you, so he'll take all the shots and die. I did. I did that once when it taught it to me, and I've seen two more instances where the the guys line up, and I just don't have anyone like right next to me where I can quick save myself. But when I, when I did do it, it was really really cool looking. Yeah, and God, I mean, if you if there are like four or five guys that shoot you, you're like almost dead. I mean, well, if it was real life, you would be dead. <laughs> but, hey, it's a game. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's pretty interesting. And, I, yeah, like you said, too, I, I just think it's a really cool system. And, uh, and, yeah, too, like, before when you do the counters, too, like, if you hit it at the right time, it kind of goes into, like, this slow motion thing. So where it gives you a chance to, like Patrick said, you can choose to, you know, counter attack or throw or disarm or something. So you have, like, a, a small window of opportunity to think about, what you need or want to do to the enemy. Yeah, so I think that might pretty much do it, actually. I can't um, think of anything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we didn't really talk much about the story, but I think it's really, really fantastic. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Um, like, I, I don't want to get into to it too much spoilery, but... Yeah, definitely it, It's not. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if you're have any kind of a slight interest in American history, I think you're really going to enjoy this because you see a lot of familiar stuff or things that you might think you remember from, you know, uh, your textbooks and stuff. So uh, I'd say definitely give it a shot if, you know, a game like this is something that you want. I mean, it's it's big. It'll keep you busy for a while. And for the Wii U, this is, a, I think this is a pretty, would be a pretty good uh, pickup. I think it'd be a great game just to have in your library. Yeah. Yeah, with that said, I, I think that <laughs> about does it. So I, I think so. Yeah, Patrick, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, not a problem. I really like the game, so glad to talk about it. Yeah, me too, me too. And Alex Kalafi, he has a review up on the site, so definitely be sure to check that out if you already haven't. And if you have any questions for the Connectivity crew, anything about that, definitely uh, send us a line. It's connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. And, yeah, so that's going to do it for us. So right. take care, and we'll talk to you later. Yep, see ya. Bye. And that will do it for episode 65 of Connectivity. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If you get a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be awesome. And I urge all of you to follow us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar there, and you can find all of our handles. 
And uh, stick around for a bonus segment now, all about dinosaurs, with myself and Zach. Welcome to this bonus segment of Connectivity. That's right, we're back to talk dinosaurs once again. I'm here with Zachary Miller. Rawr! That was, that was a little saucy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, of course, I'm with Zach. I, who else would be here to talk about dinosaurs um, but Zach? Um, oh. We've had some, I don't know, some demand for another uh, another dinosaur segment, I suppose. Um, didn't get a ton of questions, unfortunately. No, so. no. <laughs> a lot of demand, but no interest in radio yeah. questions, I guess. So, yeah. um, again, it, when we do these in the future, we do, uh, post this on the forums at Nintendo World Report in just the, uh, I guess what, the general discussion. Yeah. Um, Zach will post these from time to time to gather questions. So you can go there, or if you have a dinosaur question you're listening, you can always just email to us and then we'll save it and use it next time. So. That's true. That is an option as well. Uh, all right, Zach, are you ready to answer some dinosaur questions? I am, sir. Okay. This first one uh, actually comes from the staff. It comes from Carmine. And he says, So, I know that the great marine reptiles like Ichthyosaurus and Plesiosaurus and Pliosaurus, what's the difference between the Pliosaurus and Plesiosaurus, <laughs> he says in parentheses, and whatnot weren't dinosaurs, but what did they evolve from then? Where did they split off from the great reptile family tree? Same question for Pterosaurus, actually. Okay, uh, so the first things are ichthyosaurs, and they're the, the dolphin-shaped marine reptiles that you see in, in a lot of kids' books and, and dinosaur documentaries on the Discovery Channel. Uh, they originated in the Middle Triassic period, uh, probably a little earlier than that, and they're related to, uh, they're, they're related to the earliest branches of the modern reptile family tree. Um, they they arose incredibly early after the first kind of lizard-like animals. Um, so it's hard to say exactly what their ancestry is because the earliest ones 
basically look like lizards with flippers uh, and and a, a long um, uh, fin on their tail, um, not like a shark, not like a shark tail yet, just kind of a long fin on their tail. And uh, and but they got pretty big. the The earliest one is ten feet long, and um, and soon after that, there were uh, ichthyosaurs the size of whales that are fifty feet long. So, they they were very successful, uh, but they arose incredibly early in the uh, in the reptile family tree. Hmm. Um, and then they went extinct in the Cretaceous period, uh, before everyone else did. <laughs> They're so cool. They they went extinct before everyone else did. They did it first, man. <laughs> uh, and then plesiosaurs are those. Like when you think of Nessie, the Loch Ness monster, you're thinking of a plesiosaur. They're the uh, the long-necked, uh, small-bodied, four-flippered uh, marine reptiles. And uh, pliosaurs are actually a subgroup of plesiosaurs. They just have a, a short neck and a big head, uh, and they got very big. They got about 50 feet long. Uh, uh, plesiosaurs proper got about 40 feet long, the biggest ones, and... Uh, Half of that is neck. Uh, it's pretty clear where they evolved from. They evolved from a group of, of semi-marine reptiles called Sauropterygians. Uh, the rest of the Sauropterygians are pretty obscure. Um, some of the cooler ones are Placodonts, which are these fat little uh, kind of turtle-like animals that don't have shells, but they ate uh, uh, shellfish. They had huge crushing teeth, and they ate shellfish. Um, and then there were uh, nothosaurs that had kind of almost alligator-like heads, but a very sinuous body and um, uh, webbed feet. Uh, but but plesiosaurs are uh, evolved kind of the, they're the the end product of that lineage, and um, they were very successful. But they also uh, started to tank in the Cretaceous period. Um, uh, Right around the time when the, the third great group of marine reptiles uh, uh, evolved, that's mosasaurs or tylosaurs. They uh, existed all over the world, but mostly in the in the United States. There are these huge uh, marine. Um, uh, they're, they're like marine monitor lizards. In fact, they are related to monitor lizards, and um, it, it's interesting that they, as soon as they start gaining worldwide dominance, the ichthyosaurs and the plesiosaurs start to tank. Um, there must wonder if there's a correlation there. Uh, but they're, they're all really cool. And mosasaurs are, like I said, they're marine, marine versions of, like, Komodo dragons. So I don't even think Carmine mentioned mosasaurs, but if, if you're talking about marine reptiles, you got to bring them up. Uh, <laughs> so those are, the, those are the three big groups, ichthyosaurs, Plesiosaurians or Plesiosauria and uh, Mosasaurs. Those are the three big ones. So now, Mosasaurs are sort of like the beetles of, of I guess, the, re- the great reptiles, huh? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say that, yeah. <laughs> they swept the nation. They were a big deal. And they didn't last very long. They were only around in the, in the late Cretaceous. Uh, they lived fast and died young. There you go. They just went way too soon, but sometimes that's the way to do it. That's right. If you want to see a bunch of Mosasaurs, go to Kansas. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're eroding out of the rocks. Uh, and then and then pterosaurs. Pterosaurs are those flying reptiles that are not birds. 
Um, they have big leathery wings, and most people know a pteranodon or, or pterodactyl. And yeah. it is wholly unclear as to who their ancestors are. Um, the only consensus is that they're in some way related to, well, okay, they're more closely related to dinosaurs than they are to lizards or crocodiles. Other than that, uh, the fossil record of pterosaurs is great, um, uh, but it gets terrible when you try to look for their ancestors or their or the first pterosaurs. The first pterosaurs in the fossil record are already pterosaurs. Um, it's kind of like the first bats in the fossil record are already bats. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's you know they're they're already so weird. Uh, with their, you know, wings and, and their weird-looking feet. And so it's really difficult to concretely link them to any other group. Um, you know, it's like it's like a whale. Uh, Scott, what do you think whales are related to, just based on a whale skeleton? <laughs> um, fish. I don't know. Not fish, no, not. <laughs> they're mammals. Um, so I'll give you that. They're, they're mammals, but what group of mammals do you think whales are related to? Uh, elephants. Oh, you're actually kind of close. Uh, in <laughs> I a roundabout. Think the next biggest animal I can think of. In a roundabout way, you're kind of close. Um, uh, no, they're related to, uh, deer and, uh, um, let's see, just hoofed mammals. They're related to deer and, and cows and, and, hmm. uh, believe it or not, um, but, I mean, those are the living representatives of the group that whales are descended from, or the ancestors of whales. Uh, but, you know, if all you've got is a whale skeleton, and you say, who are these things related to, there's <laughs> sure. no way to know. Right. Um, so, you know, when you find the first pterosaurs in the fossil record that are already pterosaurs, it's kind of hard to tell. Right. There's no way of knowing what that what that came from. No. Because there's nothing similar even. No. It's well, it's even kind of a question as to how pterosaurs, you know, learn to fly the way they do. You know, it's it's a weird thing. There's there's certainly no transitional form for pterosaurs. Yeah. So there you go. That'll be that'll be a a big new big deal in paleontology when that guy's found. <laughs> so if anyone out there is looking to make a quick buck, maybe uh, discover. But the pterosaur comes from. Yeah, I discovered a pterosaur with half a, you know, a, a half as long wing or something. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next question. Thank you, Carmine. Um, this next one is from Azik, and he says, How much do we know about dinosaurs' behavior? For instance, did T-Rex gather in packs, or how did they hunt? I think on Dinosaur Revolution, I remember some remark about T-Rexes and other similar carniv- carnivorous dinosaurs attacking from ambush. How's that even possible? They're huge. Where did they where did they hide in? Lion attack from an ambush makes sense. They hide in grass. But what was there for the T Rexes to hide in? <laughs> well, it wasn't wasn't even grass. They couldn't even crouch down all the way because uh, grass wasn't around yet. That's a good question. Uh, dinosaur behavior is, you know, ninety percent uh, subjective. Um, but there are some real interesting uh, things that are preserved in the fossil record. Like there are lots of dinosaurs uh, preserved sitting on their own nests. Uh, or there's two specimens of a little trudontid named Mylong that is curled into a, a bird-like sleeping position. 
uh, with its head tucked under its wing. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty circumstantial. You know, you'll find uh, T-Rex tooth marks all over a Triceratops skeleton, but that doesn't necessarily mean it killed the Triceratops. It could just mean it was eating a dead one. Right, just found one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, now, there are some cases, there is one instance of a duckbill uh, tail that has been bitten by a Tyrannosaur, and some of the bones got torn off, uh, but then they healed. So you know that the T-Rex was actually grabbing that thing while it was alive, mm-hmm. and it got away. Um, but, you know, you, you actually can't tell too much about uh, about dinosaur behavior. My, my favorite example of um, somebody making totally making something up is a long time ago, and, and this was, I don't know, Scott, have you ever read a, a book called The Ranger Rick, Book of Dinosaurs? No. Okay. Do you know what Ranger Rick is? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Okay. Okay. Well, it's a, like a kid's wildlife magazine. But okay. They, they put out a dinosaur book, and um, one of the artists drew a bunch of triceratops standing in a circle with their heads facing out and the babies in the middle. <laughs> like they performed like a protective ring like, around the Exactly, yeah. like a protective ring. And there was like a... Like a T-Rex circling the, you know, the ring, being like, all right, where's the break in this ring? <laughs> but that behavior is from muskox, uh, modern muskox. And somebody just transplanted that idea with no evidence at all to Triceratops. And there's no way to know that unless they all died in that position. Um, there's no way to know. So, you know, a lot of dinosaur behavior is, is completely made up. Uh, it's only when you have things like an uh, uh, oviraptor sitting on its nest or, um, like I said, this little dinosaur curled up in a ball sleeping uh, when it was unfortunately covered by ash. Uh, uh, that's when you really know. But, you know, I mean, there's there's some evidence that uh, tyrannosaurs may have hunted in packs. There's a smaller tyrannosaur called Albertosaurus. I'm going to give you two guesses as to where that was from. Uh, and it's a bone bed of Albertosaur individuals. There's like 12 or 15 individual animals all buried together. Um, now that, does that mean it was like a hunting party or were they, you know, different animals getting together in a drought to, you know, drink water from a stream? Uh, you know, there, again, no way to know. It's all this circumstantial evidence. There's, there's also a bone bed of, a whole bunch of fragmentary raptor, Deinonychus raptor bones associated with a, a kind of a little duckbill dinosaur called Tenontosaurus. Now, that was found in the 1970s, and the gospel was that all these raptors attacked uh, the adult uh, Tenontosaurus, and some of them were killed, and then they were all, you know, wiped out in a flash flood or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it could have been that uh, a Tenonosaurus was dead and a whole bunch of Deinonychus uh, raptors just came from miles around like Komodo dragons. And just ate it. And yeah. ate the carcass. Um, or they could have all been fighting with each other, and that's how some of them died. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can't take 
you can't take that stuff as gospel, I guess is what I'm right. saying. I was going to say, because I know, you know, obviously in the Jurassic Park movies, that's a big thing for the raptors is they hunt in packs. And I was going to ask if there was any evidence of that at all. But it sounds like sort of maybe, but could easily be something else. Yeah. In fact, um, aside from that Deinonychus bone bed, I am not aware of any raptor dinosaurs that are found in anything but a single specimen. Hmm. So they they were probably solitary. If there were anything yeah. like predatory birds today, they may have been... Uh, 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 pair, it may have formed pair bonds, um, mm-hmm. but you know that's about as far as you can take it. Sure. So, you know, it's all it's all very speculative, but it's fun to it's fun to speculate. Sure, of course. Um, I, this whole 2012 has mostly been that on this podcast while we waited for the Wii U to come out. So, <laughs> um, and then we have one final question from Sarek. Uh, he says, uh, he's kind of got two questions here. Um, the first is sort of a joke question, but in honor of Star Wars being bought by Disney, if you had to choose a dinosaur to ride and then cut open and sleep in for warmth, which would it be and why? And then also, what is the current dinosaur species count? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, okay, so, so the Tauntaun question, uh, I, I'm going to go with a, you know, any sauropod dinosaur, any long neck dinosaur, because he can take me where I want to go very easily, and then there's a lot of room in there. <laughs> you can put it. You can put a TV in there, a couch. Yeah, exactly. You could you could make a house out of a sauropod uh, <laughs> uh, gut. Uh, that'd be a way to go, but it probably doesn't smell any better uh, than a tauntaun. Um, so that that's my answer for that. And the current dinosaur species count fluctuates all the time. Um, I'm not even going to give you a number uh, other than. I think there have been over a thousand named species, uh, but a large percentage of those are based on incredibly fragmentary remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those are probably synonyms, accidental synonyms. For example, um, back in the 1800s and early 1900s, uh, when they were first pulling dinosaur bones out of North America, they named 15 species of Triceratops. Like, every skull they pulled out of the ground, they gave it a new name. <laughs> uh, and, you know, back in 1996, um, a woman named, uh, I think it was Catherine Forrester, looked at all these skulls and said, well, these are, these can all be grouped together, uh, you know, in, into two distinct groups, which she named two species, um, but they could also just be one species uh, changing, through t- changing through time because uh, they're found in slightly different elevations. So, you know, every every year I read I read at least one or two papers um, saying that, you know, this horned dinosaur is actually this horned dinosaur, or this tyrannosaur uh, is not, uh, the, the fossils it's based on are not diagnostic enough to even give it a name, um, at which point they just give it a, a number, a specimen number. And, uh, and that becomes that one's name. Uh, but so there's, you know, over a thousand species named. That certainly doesn't mean there were a thousand species, uh, are valid. Sure. So there you go. There you go. There you go. And then, and then uh, I'll ask one, one final question. Which okay. Is kind of a, uh, just kind of a fun one. But, um, what do you want out of like the next big dinosaur movie, whether it's Jurassic Park 4 or, or just something else. I mean, what do you, do you want sort of like the Jurassic Park kind of like 
Hollywood kind of action sort of horror at sometimes kind of movie? Yeah. I mean, do you just want like a big robust documentary? I mean, what, what, what do you look for as such a dinosaur enthusiast? I mean, what do you want? I want as up to date accuracy as possible. It, mm-hmm. it always bothers me when they, you know, did you watch Terra Nova? I think I watched the pilot, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's all you needed to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they had made-up dinosaurs in that show. And okay. it really bugged me because, you know, there's a thousand named species of dinosaurs, not all of them valid, but one of them's got to be cool enough to put in your show. Sure. You know, cool enough on its own. And so it bothers me when, when they when they do, when they kind of beef up a dinosaur or they'll make a pteranodon this horrifying killer in Jurassic Park 3 when in fact pteranodon on its own is pretty awesome. Um and then you know I think I said this uh on our last one um uh CG artists especially are very uncomfortable with putting feathers on Dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah, they're still very reptilian. Yeah, no feathers yeah. whatsoever. The reason they do that is, honestly, feathers are really hard. Um, you know, they have a weird movement. You have to, you have to, each one has to be individually modeled, and you know, they all have millions of feathers on their body. Um, but it's it's gotten to the point now where there's so much so much bad information on the Discovery Channel or the you know National Geographic Channel that you know, we're we're kind of I feel like every every paleo piece of paleo art in the movies and books and whatever, it, it has to be a teaching moment. We have yeah. to we have to say this is what we know right now and that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't so that's what I look for in dinosaur movies and, and for Jurassic Park four, I'm not going to hold my breath that they're going <laughs> to that they're going to be scientifically accurate at all, even though they could be, and the dinosaurs would still be amazing. Um, <clears throat> uh, by the way, they're supposedly in pre-production for Jurassic Park four now. Right. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that one specifically because I mean that's been a rumor forever, but I have heard that that seems to be moving along. Might actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. That'd um, be great. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, the, I, I get more excited for things like walking with dinosaurs, uh, which actually do attempt some level of accuracy and they're more documentaries like a nature program and they show dinosaurs in their natural habitat acting like animals. And, you know, cause that's what they were. They weren't movie monsters. These were the things that walked around and, you know, ate and pooped and had sex and laid eggs and died, you know. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's exciting for me is, is seeing what they might've actually lived like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really care about T-Rex chasing, uh, like a, like a Jeep through the like forest. Jeep through the forest. <laughs> Cause they didn't do that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the T-Rex would probably be scared. and would probably run away, honestly. Yeah, it could. Yeah, that's probably true. It's never <laughs> seen a Jeep before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're actually coming out with a new Walking with Dinosaurs soon, uh, next year, that will focus on Alaska dinosaurs. Oh, that's, yeah. like, that's a double win for you. And I'll be watching that real close because they, uh, they just uh, named a new species of horned dinosaur up here um, that yeah. I've given a few lectures about. And uh, I'll be excited if they include it. 
Yeah. So there you go. Cool. All right. Well, Zach, Zach, as always, thank you for being here to talk about dinosaurs and just teach us a little bit more. Well, thank you for putting up with me. Oh, anytime, Zach, anytime. <laughs> and again, as I as I said at the top of the show, um, if you'd like to submit your own dinosaur questions for next time, uh, you could do that either at the Nintendo World Report forums, um, just look for Zach's dinosaur post, shouldn't be hard to find, or uh, if you just want to save yourself a stub, you can always email those to us at connectivity at com, and then we'll just hold on to them for next time. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. And before long they were cloning DNA Now I'm being chased by some irate velociraptors Well believe me, this has been one lousy day Off 